0: You have to extol the mutilated world. Remember the moments when we were together in a quiet room and the curtain fluttered. Return in thought to the concert where music flared. You gathered acorns in the park in autumn and leaves added over the earth's scarves. Extol the mutilated world, and the gray feather, a thrush lost, and the gentle light that strays and vanishes and returns.
1: This reading by Adam Zagievsky, recorded in March 2001, was postponed from its original date by the forces of Mother Nature. On February 28, 2001, the Nisqually earthquake struck. In rye form, Zagievsky banters about the interplay between reality and poetry, life and art. He notes thematic links between his book Tremor, his poem Lava, and the shaking earth that brought daily life in the Pacific Northwest to a halt. I'm Rebecca Hoogs, the interim executive director of Seattle Arts and Lectures. You're listening to Sal on Air, a collection of talks and readings from the world's best writers from over 30 years of Seattle Arts and Lectures. The preeminent Polish poet of his generation, Zagiewski's early work was political in nature. He sought to illuminate conditions in Western Poland post-World War II. With insight and imagination, Zagiewski's poems depict the surreal experience of daily life following the Soviet takeover of his hometown, Lvov, in present-day Ukraine. He was part of the Generation of 68, a group opposed to the Communist government, in its alliance with the Soviet Union. As a result, Zagievsky's writing was banned in the mid-1970s. In later years, his poetry ascended from protest and politics to history, philosophy, the divine, and love. In Without End, new and selected poems, Zagievsky writes, quote, I drink from a small spring, my thirst exceeds the ocean. At the start of this reading, which includes poems in English and Polish, Zagiewski says, quote, as long as you write new poems, you are alive. It's the only proof of this. Zagiewski died suddenly this past March, but his poems endure. In a poetic twist of fate, the day of Zagiewski's passing was the same as the evening he read at Seattle Arts and Lectures, exactly 20 years ago. Let's listen to Zagievsky's poems and what his writings continue to tell us today. This is Sal on Air.
0: Thank you for this introduction. It's true I named one of my books Tremor, but then another, another one I named Mysticism for Beginners, which always helps to survive. Earthquakes, and other quakes. It's so much nicer to be a young poet. It's also nice to be young. But, and to have just one book, but now, then you have a few books, and there's a problem of choice. And the the easiest one is the chronological order, but it seems to be so primitive. Yeah. especially in poetry because it's, poetry has nothing to do with time so I will start with a few new poems and perhaps I will return to because I, I have plenty of new poems which I can say with pride as long as you write new poems you are alive it's a it's. A, the only proof of this. <laughs> um, okay, so the the new poems, as well as Mysticism for beginners, is um translated has been translated by Clerk Kavanagh. Try to extol the mutilated world. Try to extol the mutilated world. Remember dunes, long days, and wild strawberries, drops of wine, the dew, the nettles that methodically overgrow the abandoned homesteads of exiles. You must extol the mutilated world. You watch the stylish yachts and ships, One of them had a long trip before it, while salty oblivion awaited others. You've seen the refugees heading nowhere. You've heard the executioners sing joyfully. You have to extol the mutilated world. Remember the moments when we were together in a white room and the curtain fluttered. Return in thought to the concert where music flirted. You gathered acorns in the park in autumn and leaves added over the earth's scars. Extol the mutilated world and the gray feather, a thrush lost, and the gentle light that strays and vanishes and returns. This poem is called My Ants. It's A-U-N-T, not A-N-T. I don't possess any ants. But I used to have a lot of ants, but some of them died, alas. My ants. Always caught up in what they call the practical side of life. Theory was for Plato, up to their elbows in furniture, in bedding, in cupboards and kitchen gardens, they never neglected the lavender sachets that turned a linen closet to a meadow. The practical side of life, like the moon's unlighted face, didn't lack for mysteries, when Christmas time drew near, life became pure praxis and resided temporarily in hallways, took refuge in suitcases and satchels. And when somebody died, it happened even in our family, alas. My aunts preoccupied with death, practical side, Forgot at last about the lavender whose frantic sand bloomed selflessly beneath a heavy snow of sheets. Um, the next one is called Square d'Orlon. And I, I explained the same thing in in Portland, so don't, don't tell people in Portland that I, I repeat myself. But, um, but uh, in Square, in, in France, they call a place a Square, and they don't say Square, so they should, but this. So this, therefore I say Square de And as, as you will know from the poem, it's a place where Chopin lived. This was his last address in Paris. Square A place where pain and beauty mingled once, two substances that have long been acquainted. A bank now occupies this space. Dapper gentlemen enter and exit, each one narrow as a new banknote. Chopin lived here once. His fingers struck the keyboard, matter, in a rage. Impassioned poetry once lived here. Peace and quiet now prevail, while nearby insurance agents flourish and the doctor receives his patients at appointed hours. Dusk falls. Apartment houses stand like where it herons on the center's waste, the distant whistle of the city sounds. In the center of the square, a little fountain shyly raises up two braids of water, reminding us of what life really is. We sit on the steps as nothing happens. It's also impossible to say that we feel anything like sorrow. Anxiety and fever to younger nations have given way to classical restraint. The September evening slowly darkens. A gentle wind traverses Paris like an elderly kabuki actor playing the ingenue's part. If anything upsets us, but nothing does, it's only emptiness. Well perhaps now I'll go back to violate this chronological order to, to tremor this this book that has been accused. <laughs> Uh, I'll read this poem, which is a little bit longer, but not really long. Not as some American poets write very long (laughs) poems. I don't do it. It has a strange title. It's called Franz Schubert, a Press Conference. And it's, of course, Franz Schubert who's the speaker in this poem. Yes, my life was short. Yes, I laughed, felt a light growing. Yes, under my fingers sparks were born. Yes, I had little time. I didn't know how much. I pitied Gretchen, dead youth, the unrequited. No, the flame wasn't mute. Yes, I ran through icy forests chased by snow, yellow stars, and by the strangeness of style itself. No, not the police. I don't know if it was a devil. There was no epoch, only green grass, ash trees, becalmed objects, dragonflies over ponds, but no epoch, a wooden floor, reticent chairs. Yes, Vienna, the taste of coffee, same as now, pigeons on the window sills. No, I didn't foresee the spring tide of nations. I don't know, don't remember. This question is too personal. No, I am not familiar with Wagner's music. Can we communicate, regret, even envy, I don't know whether it's a fate, a glove, such delicate snowflakes, if only they don't turn into a blizzard. The green eyes of that girl. My destiny was too big like a tent. My heart throbbed so clumsily in those huge rooms. Yes, talent, teeth crushing bitter coffee beans. No, I was afraid. I was surrounded on all sides. The armies of mercenaries charged straight at me. Oh, gentlemen, how could you compare me to Admiral Nelson? No, shadows bellowed, whispers peeled like cathedral bells, appearances barked. Yes, I admit I was wrong sometimes. How could I know that I was Schubert? I was in the state of becoming, looked for a way, a colour. You can't know me, only an echo. Yes, I was in that strait where suffering changes into song. Yes, evergreen forest and unrequited love. The joy of being indifferent. Precisely, I wanted to say, the happiness of expression halfway between life and death, exactly halfway. Yes, even here the cheers of dancing people reach us, but they clot in the gelatin of memory. Don't turn back, don't take the wrong direction, but of course you can't transform life into a lead. It's only a very small Noah's Ark. You know, gentlemen, not people but specious, not flowers, but specimens, not fragrances, but descriptions. While we ran wild in the meadows' luxury, in weeds and in wind, in dandelions and anemones, in the huge plural of sounds and colors, passionate and speechless, submissive to the demands of breathless messengers, In jubilation, in sin, in prayer, morning and evening, in boredom and laughter, the eternal dance lasted. So many things were happening, fear and games, cut fingers, gaping mouth, real kisses and kisses only in daydreams, braids, ears of wheat, your glances, a veranda, silence. And nothing, the crimson of the fall. Yes, I remember everything. Larks on long threads, puppies, a hazel grove, the warm brick of the city, the voices fading in the dusk and night, a box in which children hide their treasures, the sleep and the vigil, Venus in the pale sky shivering from cold, Yes, it is even better now, only two lips talk to themselves in the singing, a piano nearby in its gleaming tuxedo. Yes, I'm tired now, and no, it's not a complaint. My masters, my masters are not infallible. They are neither Goethe, who had a sleepless night only when distant volcanoes moaned, nor Horace, who wrote in the language of gods and altar boys. My masters seek my advice in fleecy overcoats hurriedly slipped on over their dreams at dawn when the cool wind interrogates the birds my masters talk in whispers I can hear their broken speech perhaps enough of this old stuff Let's move forward with with the young generation. So, perhaps now a few poems from Mysticism for Beginners. Uh, The poems from Tremor were translated by Renata Gorczynski and Robert Haas, who, who helped her a lot. This is a poem uh, dedicated to Derek Walcott. It's called The Room I Work In. The room I work in is as far as four square as half a pair of dice. It holds a wooden table with a stubborn peasant's profile, a sluggish armchair, and a teapot's pouting Habsburg lip. From the window, I see a few skinny trees, wispy clouds and toddlers, always happy and loud. Sometimes a windshield glints in the distance or higher up an airplane's silver husk. Clearly, others aren't wasting time while I work Seeking adventures on earth or in the air. The room I work in is a camera obscura. And what is my work? Waiting, motionless, flipping pages. Patient meditation. Passivities not pleasing to that judge with the greedy gaze. I write as slowly as if I will live 200 years. I seek images that don't exist. And if they do, they're they're crumpled and concealed like summer clothes in winter when frost stings the mouth. I dream of perfect concentration. If I found it, I would surely stop breathing. Maybe it's good that I get so little done. But after all, I hear the first snow hissing. The frail melody of daylight and the city's gloomy rumble. I drink from a small spring. My thirst exceeds the ocean. Um, Refugees. It's a poem that everyone could write after having seen. Those things on television, refugees, bent under burdens which sometimes can be seen and sometimes can't, they trudge through mud or desert sands, hunched, hungry, silent men in heavy jackets, dressed for all four seasons, old women with crumpled faces, clutching something, a child... The family lamp, the last loaf of bread. It could be Bosnia today, Poland in September of 39, France eight months later, Germany in 45, Somalia, Afghanistan, Egypt. There's always a wagon or at least a wheelbarrow full of treasures, a quilt, a silver cup, the fading scent of home, a car out of gas, marooned in a ditch, a horse soon left behind, snow, a lot of snow, too much snow, too much sun, too much rain, and always that special slouch, as if leaning toward another better planet with less ambitious generals, less snow, Less wind, fewer cannons, less history. Alas, there is no such planet, just that slouch. Mysticism for beginners. The day was mild, the light was generous. The German on the cafe terrace held a small book on his lap. I caught sight of the title, Mysticism for Beginners. Suddenly I understood that the swallows patrolling the streets of Montepulciano with their shrill whistles and the hushed talk of timid travelers from Eastern, so-called Central Europe And the white herons standing yesterday, the day before, like nuns in fields of rice. And the dusk, slow and systematic, erasing the outlines of medieval houses and olive trees on little hills, abandoned to the wind and heat. And the head of the unknown princess that I saw and admired in the Louvre and stained-glass windows like butterfly wings sprinkled with pollen, and the little nightingale practicing its speech beside the highway, and any journey, any kind of trip, are only mysticism for beginners, the elementary course prelude to a test that's been postponed.
1: We will return for the rest of the event with Adam Zagievsky in a moment. But first, I wanted to tell you about this year's upcoming poetry series. The series will begin with Kava Akbar, whose award-winning poems take readers on a spiritual journey through disavowal, divinity, and belonging. The series continues with Whiting award-winning poet Sherwin Bitsui and Kenzie Allen, winner of the inaugural James Welch prize from Poetry Northwest. The series will then continue with celebrated poet, prose writer, editor, musician, and former U.S. Poet Laureate, Rita Dove. And in the spring, the series will conclude with National Book Award winning translator, poet, and essayist, Dan Che. A series subscription includes Akbar's newest book, Pilgrim Bell. Visit lectures.org to purchase a series pass. You'll have your choice of an in-person series or an online series. And now, more from Adam Zagiewski.
0: This is a poem, which um, it's called "Apartment for Scholars." And if, I'm not a scholar, but if you're a poet, you sometimes you are sometimes put up in an apartment for scholars. This is kind of strange life. You go for two weeks to a place and it's called a residency. And, uh, so I've decided to describe one of those places. Apartment for scholars. The apartment for visiting scholars holds a bookshelf with a dozen wearing novels in a language not spoken by your kin. A sleepy Buddha. A mute TV, a battered skillet bearing traces of Saturday night's dismal scrambled eggs, a drab teapot that whistles in every idiom. You try to settle in and even think. You read Meister Eckhart about distance Abgeschiedenheit the poems of a British Francophile, an Anglo-centric Frenchman's prose. And only after several days of struggling to inhabit these hygienic quarters, hospice to the cream of cultivated humankind, you realize with something close to all that no one lives here. There is no life on earth. This poem is called The Polish Biographical Dictionary in a library in Houston. And the, the Rice Library in Houston has this very, very good Polish biographical dictionary in Polish. I don't know who's reading it besides me. <laughs> but when I'm very sad sometimes in Houston for many reasons, I, I read this, this dictionary. And actually I, I say this A to s because it's this dictionary is still growing it's appear appearing in small how do you f- call those small like uh, installments and in, in, it hasn't yet reached the letter Z which is good for me because uh, you can you get an entry only when you die so. <laughs> I think this is the principle of many biographical dictionaries, unlike in an encyclopedia, but in a, you actually have to deserve it. And the Polish Biographical Dictionary <clears throat> in a library in Houston. Prince Roman Sanguszko treks across Siberia. Joseph Conrad will write a story on him. Near the end of his long life, he founds a library. He dies universally admired. Maria Kalergis, C. Muhanov Maria, alleged ties with the Tsar's secret police. Half her heart is Polish, the other half unknown. Friends with Liszt and Wagner, Chopin's pupil, Patron of the Warsaw Theatre, renegade and patriot by turns. Poor Norvid fell in love with her, see Norvid, and loved her with all his heart. Julian Klatchko, short, those are heavy, sad, high strung, excitable, no lack of self esteem. Stanislav Czarnowski, Perhaps the natural son of the ill-famed pelican, a sparkling stylist, the glory of La Revue de Deux Mondes, worked with the Czartoryskis, then employed by the Austrian ministry. There was no Polish. He expires in Krakow, paralyzed, already dead. Still more shadows, A to S. This dictionary cannot be completed. This is your country, your laconism, your indifference, and your emotion. So much life for just one homeland, so much death for just one dictionary. And perhaps now a few poems from Canvas. You see how many, this is the prize for getting older, just too many books. And the poems in Canvas were translated by Renata Gorczynski with C.K. Williams and Benjamin Ivory. I hesitate whether I should read poem called Lava and Seattle, but... (laughs) It's all playing with fire. Lava. And what if Heraclitus and Parmenides are both right and two worlds exist side by side, one serene, the other insane, one arrow thoughtlessly hurtles, another indulgent looks on. The self-same wave moves and stands still. Animals all at once come into the world and leave it. Birch leaves dance in the wind as they fall apart in the cruel, rusty flame. Lava kills and preserves. The heart beats and is beaten. There was war, then there wasn't. Jews died, Jews Stay alive. Cities are raised. Cities endure. Love fades. The kiss everlasting. The wings of the hawk must be brown. You are still with me, though we are no more. Ships sink. Sand sinks. Clouds wander like wedding veils and tatters. All's oath, oaths, lost. So much brilliance, the hills gently descend with their long banners of woods. Moss inches up the stone tower of a church, its small mouth timidly praising the north. At dusk, the savage lamp of the jasmine is glowing, possessed by its own luminescence. Before a dark canvas in a museum Eyes narrow like a cat's. Everything's finished. Riders gallop black horses. A tyrant composes a sentence of death with grammatical errors. Youth dissolves in a day. Girls' faces freezes into medallions. Despair turns to rapture and the hard fruits of stars in the sky ripen like grapes And beauty endures, shaken, unperturbed, and God is and God dies. Night returns returns to us in the evening, and the dawn is hoary with dew. And this is called A Talk with Friedrich Nietzsche. Most highly respected, Professor Nietzsche, sometimes I seem to see you on a sanatorium terrace at dawn, with fog descending and song bursting the throats of the birds. Not tall, head like a bullet, you compose a new book and a strange energy hovers around you. Your thoughts parade like enormous armies. You know now that Anne Frank died and her classmates and friends, boys, girls and friends of her friends, and cousins and friends of her cousins. What are words I want to ask you? What is clarity? And why do words keep burning a century later, though the earth weighs so much. Clearly nothing links enlightenment and the dark pain of cruelty. At least two kingdoms exist, if not more. But if there is no God and no force wells elements in repulsion, then what are words, really? And from whence does their inner light come? And from whence does joy come? And where does nothingness go? Where is forgiveness? Why do the incidental dreams vanish at dawn and the great ones keep growing? The blackened river. It's, it's, it's sort of about my, well, it's not sort of, it is. <laughs> about the, my, the, the city where I grew up. And it was a, a um, post-German city. The Germans were deported and the Poles were deported. Very complicated. I think it's much too complicated for Seattle with this whole historical business. Anyway, it's a city in Silesia called gliwice And this is where I grew up. And the, the Blackened River, because it's a very industrial city and, and not very ecological like Seattle. So. The Blackened River ran through the park. Farther on, the Nam Gardens were hemmed in by thick braids of hedges. Where starlings sang now, a branch of Auschwitz had been built. Under the grass, the dressings from the Russian infirmary were interred, so the meadow is swollen and rich. Gliders guiltlessly hovered in the sky in rain as benign as a tear of joy. And another poem which refers to the same place, is called electric elegy and it's, a, it's an elegy to a German radio and the, the radio was German because we were deported from the East and we came to the West and, the, um, and many objects were still from the German time. And I, I mentioned here several politicians names. Some of them are very well known, alas, and some no, not, but you understand. Electric Elegy, it's dedicated to uh, Robert Haas. Farewell, German radio, with your green eye and your bulky box together almost composing a body and soul. Your lamps glowed with a pink, so light like Bergson's deep self. Through the thick fabric of the speaker, my ear glued to you as to the lattice of a confessional. Mussolini once whispered. Hitler shouted. Stalin calmly explained. Bierut hissed. Gomulka held endlessly forth. But no one radio will ac- accuse you of treason. No, your only sin was obedience absolute tender faithfulness to the kilohertz. Whoever came was welcomed, whoever was sent was received. Of course, I know only the songs of Schubert brought you the jade of true joy. To Chopin's waltzes, your electric heart throbbed delicately and firmly, and the clothes over the speaker pulsated like the breasts of amorous girls in old novels. Not with the news, though, especially not Radio Free Europe or the BBC. Then your, your eye would grow nervous, the green pupil widen and shrink as though its atropine dose had been altered. Mad seagulls lived inside you and Macbeth, at night, forlorn signals found shelter in your rooms, sailors cried out for help, the young comet cried, losing her head. Your old age was announced by a cracked voice, then rattles, coughing, and finally blindness. Your eye faded and total silence. Sleep peacefully, German radio, dream Schumann, and don't waken when the next dictator rooster crows. Well, I think I should read a few poems in my native language. I think that some of my compatriots here And even when I teach in Houston, I never completely forget my language. So you you excuse me for this strange no. sound. Wiolonczela. Niechętni jej mówią, to tylko skrzypce, które, które przeszły mutacje i zostały usunięte z chóru. To nieprawda. Wiolonczela ma nie jeden sekret, ale nigdy nie płacze, tylko śpiewa grubym głosem. Nie wszystko jednak zamienia się w śpiew. Czasem można usłyszeć jakby szmer albo szept. Jestem samotna, nie mogę zasnąć. On działa. On działa w blasku i w ciemności, w huku wodospadów i w ciszy snu, lecz inaczej niż głoszą wasi pasterze, pozostający pod dobrą opieką. Szuka najdłuższej linii, drogi, która jest tak okrężna, że prawie niewidoczna. Gubi się w cierpieniu, tylko ślepcy, tylko sowy czują czasem jej nikły ślad pod powieką. Lata trzydzieste. Lata trzydzieste, jeszcze mnie nie ma. Kiełkuje trawa. Dziewczyna je lody truskawkowe. Ktoś słucha szumana, szalony szuman, zgubiony. Jakie szczęście. Jeszcze mnie nie ma. Słyszę wszystko.
1: It was such an honor to host Adam Zagievsky in March 2001 and to bring him back to the podcast today. Thank you to the Seattle Arts and Lectures board, staff and community, and thanks to all of you for listening. This show would not be possible without you. Our show is produced by Jack Straw Cultural Center with theme music by Daniel Spills. To hear more, subscribe from wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, rate and review us five stars so that more people can enjoy Sal On Air.